0: Let's pray.
1: God, we know that you are with us this morning and that your Holy Spirit is here to open our eyes and our hearts, our ears and our minds for the message that you want to share this morning. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you this day.
0: Amen. So as as usual, starting out with a question. What makes someone a Christian? Any ideas? Mm -hmm. Obedience to the word? Okay. What else? Their actions, okay. Anything else? No? Okay.
1: Well, I I would define what makes someone a Christian by whether or not they have a relationship with Jesus and through Jesus. That's like my broad kind of overall umbrella definition. Now, that relationship is demonstrated in lots of different ways, like obedience to the word, which is both scripture and Jesus, if we're using a capital W. Um, it's also in their actions. What, you know, How how is this person acting? It's also in what are they saying, right? How do they talk about people? Um, and one of the interesting things, um, one of the things that I really like about being Wesleyan, um, is that Wesley was a very practical individual. Um, you know, from last week, we talked about the do no harm, do all the good you can, and then stay in love with God. And he also, uh, talked within that, those three things, there are two two ways, I'll say, of, of demonstrating our relationship with God. Uh, as Wesley called them, they're acts of piety and acts of charity. So basically, acts of piety are those things that we do to strengthen our relationship with God. So it's, it can be prayer, it can be worship, Bible study, small groups, um, those kind of things. Acts of charity are things like you know, visiting the sick, um, Donating food to a food pantry, um, all those kind of things, and and the thing that um, strikes me uh, is that people can do acts of piety and can do acts of charity without actually being Christian. They don't necessarily have that relationship. Um, with God. They're doing things for some reason, but it might not be because of their relationship with Jesus. Um, And and so, you know, kind of keep that in the back of your mind. And so my question to you guys, uh, another question, I guess, is what ways or opportunities does this church specifically provide regarding acts of piety, and acts of charity. So like, how do you, what do you offer to help people develop their relationship with God? And what do you offer to help people demonstrate their relationship
0: with God? You guys have things. (laughs) You do. (laughs) This isn't a trick question. Yes, the food, yep, the food basket Mm -hmm. that you guys give. That would be an act of charity. You're in one act of piety right now.
1: You are in worship. There's that. Um, And so one of the things that the church, um, both globally and particularly as, you know, this church, we have these opportunities of providing different ways that people can connect with God. So whether it's through uh, through donations or like working for Habitat for Humanity, things like that, or, you know, prayer groups, worship, Bible studies, those kinds of things. So by now, you might be thinking, what does this have to do with Peter? Well, um, one of the things that we heard in the scriptures from this morning is that the early followers, the early believers, as we'll call them, struggled with what it meant to be a believer. They had, some of them, had beliefs that limited their capacity to understand understand God's work in the world. Um, And so here are some things to remember about the first church, specifically the the one that's being described in Acts, and then also um, the one that, that Paul is writing to in Galatians. So the first Christians were Jews. That's like the foundation to things. They weren't called Christians till I think like 200 years later, and it was actually a derogatory name. Like Methodist is a derogatory name um, because Wesley and his his band of brothers, I'll call them, were very methodical in, in how they did these acts of piety and these acts of charity that people made fun of them by calling them Methodist. Um, basically, that's what was happening when people were called Christians. They were being made fun of. Um, and so the first Christians called themselves believers or followers of the way. Um, And they were Jewish. They had grown up as Jews in Israel and some of these other places. So the things that were important to them were the dietary laws, right? Like keeping kosher was and is still a real thing. And part of that is not eating with someone who's not Jewish. Um, People who take this very, very seriously do not go over to people's homes. You know, they don't eat food prepared by someone who's you know, not kosher keeping. There's lots and lots of rules and laws. And then the other thing uh, that we heard was um, circumcision and circumcision being kind of like the, I'll say the the sign of the covenant, which is not really an out, it is an outward sign, but it's, you know, it is what it is. Um, and then this idea of clean versus unclean. So the early church was struggling in some ways with what it meant to, to have the Holy Spirit be doing things outside of their comfort zone. Um, and, and another thing um, to keep in mind is that the be- these early followers, these early believers, their belief was that the Jews were the chosen people. And so Gentiles could not become believers without first becoming Jewish. So they were they were putting all of these rules and expectations on people for what it meant to follow Christ. And there was this huge debate in, in the the believers community about what it meant, whether people had to become Jewish first or whether they could be Gentiles and live the way that they had been living essentially um, and yet be transformed by the Holy Spirit. There was a huge, huge debate, which is what we see in Acts 15. If you choose to read, you know, Acts 10 through 15, you'll see this argument come to to its fullness essentially. And one of my, One of my Bibles that I have has um, some commentary notes in the bottom, and this is what it said about this in particular. The gift is the spirit's reception and inclusion into the community of God's people, not specific practices. So as we heard in Acts about how Peter described this vision that he had of this sheep coming down with all kinds of different animals, I'm hoping there was a pig on it um, because pigs weren't allowed. To be eaten by, by Jews, um, you know, about what was clean and unclean. And God told Peter, don't say something is unclean when I've made it clean. Basically, God's telling him to check himself and and not limit how God can act in this world. Um, so he goes to Cornelius, he eats with them, he's, he's open to to this idea of. Gentiles being able to be uh, followers of Jesus. But yet we see Peter kind of step back and demonstrate his fear a little bit of these people who were friends of James. And in Galatians chapter two, we heard Paul tell the Galatians, you know, hey, remember, I called Peter out on this because he was essentially backsliding into, you know, Jewish regulation. And and that's not who we're called to be. We cannot make other people um, follow something when God is clearly acting outside of the bounds of this particular religion. And and Paul Paul also says in in some way to Peter, um, he it. It was an act of encouragement in a lot of ways to stand firm in what God had already told Peter um, in the face of people who disagree and also are trying to intimidate him to follow what they believe um, and intimidate people into submission. If Christ invites us to freedom, being intimidated into submission is not freedom. And so we have have this interesting um, connection, I'll say, between the the church in the first century and our church today. Um, I think it's a book by Barbara Brown Taylor. Um, no, Diana Butler Bass. I don't remember. Anyway, she talks about how at first In the first church after they settled this whole you need to you don't need to be jewish to be christian thing um the pattern went belonging belief behavior so people belonged to the church probably before they fully understood their beliefs and certainly before their behavior reflected who they were in christ because that's an ongoing life journey like we all of us fall short of the glory of God, most of the time. And so, you know, so there was that um that flow chart or process. But today it's really fascinating because we have uh, oh, I'm sorry, it's it's belonging behavior and then belief. Belonging behavior and then belief. is by like being part of belonging, you then come and kind of get uh you start to act like the people that you surround yourself by so sorry about that but for us it's a matter and somehow we've twisted this around where we seem to think that what you believe is most important and then you can't belong until you believe and that's kind of what the scripture is talking about um, in a reverse way where peter shows up to the, the gentile people and and talks to them and see what is going on and he sees the holy spirit descend on them that they are baptized in the holy spirit and they are given something that peter didn't think was possible because peter thought oh well this whole thing is just for the jews and god's spirit says nope not how it's working. Um, and, And so the sign of inclusion in terms of belonging and this whole idea of the family of God, the sign of inclusion went from circumcision to being baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's relationship over practice in some ways. So it's what do our relationships look like? Um, with God, with ourselves, with others? Um, How are we being transformed by the spirit? Um, And it's not about what food we eat or don't eat, who we eat with or don't eat with. Um, Not about whether we read our Bibles every day. It's about how are we developing that relationship with God? Bible reading absolutely can develop our relationship with God. But if you develop your relationship with God by sitting outside and staring at the sunshine or listening to the leaves rustle through the trees. Okay. It's about relationship over practice. And one of the things that Paul says um, that I think is instructive for us as he talks about Peter Is that if we rebuild the law. Let me make sure
0: I quote him correctly. In chapter
1: 2, verse 18 in Galatians. He says, rather, I am a sinner. If I rebuild the old system of law, I already tore down. Christ gives us freedom to not be afraid. Christ gives us freedom to transform the world through the power of the Holy Spirit. Christ gives us us freedom to, to reach out and help people. Um, Maybe people that have been marginalized or, um, or we would have maybe thought, oh, well, you know, God can't reach them or they're too far gone. Uh, Maybe not. The thing for me about scripture is that it it continually challenges my narrow-mindedness. And for me, that's a lot of what I hear in these scripture passages today. God is challenging people's narrow-mindedness or what they thought what may have been true for a long time but is not true anymore. Jesus came for all people, and we have the Spirit's action and work in this life and in this world to help show us that. And so if you look at your bulletin, I've got some reflection questions that can maybe help you think about this throughout the week in uh, in some different ways. The first is who are my Gentiles? Who do I automatically exclude from the kingdom of God? And it's something to pray about to ask God. Well, God, what do you think about this? Uh, the second is how is God inviting me to freedom in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit? That's a very broad question, but um, but trusting in God to answer you. And then the third question, how do I see God working outside of the church? These are all ways to become more aware of God's work in this world, of how God is not only working in us, but also working outside of of our narrow-mindedness. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this reminder through through repeater, through the one who who went back and forth
0: between living in your freedom and reverting to lawfulness.
1: We thank you for your spirit, the one who empowers and equips and, and guides the one who reaches out to us to to help us move forward in your way of love.
0: And God, it's been,
1: since the pandemic, it's been a trying world. Lots and lots of different things have happened over these last three years and we need you more than ever. We, knew, we need a renewed filling of the Holy Spirit. And so we ask that your spirit descend on us this morning in this moment, that as you come down and fill us again, that we are, <clears throat> that we are transformed, that we are renewed and that as we get up from this place at this time, that we are transformed to do your work in this world with more of your spirit and more of your grace. It is in your love, your light, and your
0: life that we pray. Amen.